Welcome to the Electric Monks Podcast, episode 31, turning into a bug emotionally. Hello and welcome back to the Electric Monks Podcast. I am Ed and I am joined by my co-host Nemo. Good morning. And Jesse. Hey. When you last joined us, we were slap bang in the middle of talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 10 of the BBC America Netflix uh, Dirt Junkie Solicitor Detective Agency uh, TV show. This is Part 2 of that conversation, so if you haven't listened to Part 1, you should probably go back and uh, do so already, because otherwise none of this is going to make a whole bunch of sense to you. And before we just restart, I just want to assure people who are worried that uh, we're running out of Dirt Gently to talk about now, given this is the last episode of the most recent series of it. Uh, but there is still more to talk about, and uh, we will cover that in future episodes. I'm trying to make sure we get 42 as a bare minimum. So uh, anyway, here's part two. Strap in, folks. So uh, where were we? I think Susie just gets the wand from Todd and starts putting the chain thing around him. Yeah. And just as, just as it looks like Todd's going to have the life squeezed out of him, like we saw happen to Weiger earlier, in the previous episode that's when the boy comes through and he's he's not an old man he's back to his childlike self because um it's his world and he can do what he likes i guess i don't think he's been back since he was a kid as well so it does sort of make sense yeah susie is neutralized very easily ready for you get back up everyone is kind of that died is brought back i think during this sequence and also farah Tina and Hobbs are saved with the Ambu lens, which is the kid's toy, <laughs> which I really like. First, let's talk about the boy bringing everyone back, um, because we sort of talked how Wankty kind of hinted at it, and we sort of talked about how it kind of undermined some of the stakes in the episode that was just set in Wendermore early on. Do you feel relieved to see the characters back, or do you wish their deaths kind of had mattered going forward in Wendermore, or does it not matter anyway? <laughs> I mean, I, I when it happened on, on this rewatching, when it's like, oh wow, everyone's brought back to life, and they clearly have some memory of what happened. Yeah, so you could imagine Pento and company being traumatized. To me, that it feels so weird because, like, initially, I'm like, oh, these are new versions of these characters. Like, they like he just remade them, and now there are new versions of them that are having this life. And it's like, no, but wait, Farson is with the Bafuki Napu, who he was with when he was kidnapped. Like, that's why they show that shot with him is like, this is the same people. And so like, they they must have memory of killing each other brutally. Uh, but now everything's fine because the boy's back. My read on that, and maybe I was incorrect, but my read on that was that they all, like, they are the same people. They are just having been resurrected, um, which I kind of understand where you're coming from with no stakes. But like the fact that Bart never gets to say goodbye to Panto, she gets out of there before he come, he's resurrected. Yeah, makes that- it. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, and it, it, it like very and, and and like I get that the boy like maybe she didn't understand that the boy was going to bring everyone back to life or what he meant by make everything better. It exists purely for the audience, for all of those characters to be back to life. It doesn't exist like none of the characters in the show are affected by that in any way. Oh, I didn't mention as well Susie's um, undoing that happens here where she gets sent oh, to the train. Yeah, where, where she attempts to go to the boy, and they're, they're, they're like, um, oh, I didn't recognize you. Who are you? Uh, are you a good guy? And then Dirk and company are just, no, she's definitely the bad guy. And, then he's, he's <laughs> and, and they're the all just pointing fingers like, uh, nope, nope, nope. But what I love about this is that Susie, who was so comfortable being the bad guy, especially in that scene earlier with Todd, she was like very openly, like, I'm the bad guy, and I don't give a fuck, basically. And uh, in this scene, she's now completely... Like uh, pretending to be a good guy suddenly when it's far too late for that. <laughs> it's a great moment where she's like, "Are you a good guy?" The bad guy, and she's just like, "Um, good guy." And, every- <laughs> and like you said, it cuts over like the worst. She is the worst bad guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that aspect of it. Faratina and Hobbs are saved, which is nice. I think then after while well, Todd is h- helping out Farah and company, Dirk gets a speech from Francis, where Francis explains basically yeah, his role in the universe. And yeah, I had... Sort of I spoiled the mystery. That, yeah, how, why does Francis know all this? 
that uh, was my big question of, of this scene. It, mm. That seemed very unearned. It was just like... We don't oh, know we where he came from, from, though, technically. Yeah. Because the boat just came from that way. No, but he's, he's also been a character who we've seen in a few flashbacks um, from when he was a kid in the 60s and then now. it's He's a character who, who having this level of knowledge to explain the, the nature of Dirk's abilities, uh, that doesn't feel learned. That, yeah, that just funny. felt like... doesn't know who Susie is, knows every single detail about Dirk's purpose in the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not, not knowing Susie, I, I'm okay with because Susie's outside his world. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, but knowing that much about Dirk uh, and the the nature of of these things, you know, to to kind of hand wavy that, it doesn't feel earned. I, I said it before. I can't. It feels to me. I personally feel like this dialogue was added in because they knew at some point they were going to get cancelled and they wanted to explain to the audience you know what dirk's role was explicitly which again i feel like they didn't really need to do yeah i wish they had the, the actor uh, playing francis isn't that great i mean he's okay for a kid actor, i but. wanted to talk about that actually um he so dylan shambing uh yeah. i think is how you say his he, name he uh, was fine in the uh, silent flashbacks where he didn't say anything i thought he was he, yeah i feel like both season one and season two end with kind of not great child acting um i, I um, felt yeah lydia i felt like opinion. yeah i felt like well, lydia, lydia was okay but she was uh, lydia had a lot less lines in my opinion i did not find her i did not find it great i uh when she was like you were perfect well, lydia Tara. was so great at the dog she was so great playing the dog i didn't <laughs> mind <laughs> i didn't want to say it but she was uh she was great at that but the and i and i don't know if it's that the director uh just can't direct child actors or what because here's the thing about dylan is he is actually fantastic as a child in the Watchmen HBO TV series. So, like, I don't know if that's a case of he has gotten better as an actor or the dialogue is just really clunky because it's being written for an old man being spoken by a child or if the director just doesn't know how to direct child actors. I don't know. I don't know which of those things it is. All I can say is he is way better in the HBO Watchmen series than he is in this. And I agree. He is stiff in the in in this and it, it feels weird and i get that they're going for a you have an old man mind in a young person body and so he's trying to do that but it just is not working yeah so just after that speech unnecessary reveal everything because the season's about to end the series is about to end speech to dick he they, they go out to the killing fields <laughs> where bart has slain a huge amount of the knights i think it the boy uh, says a line something like um this went way out of hand. They're only meant to be like, um, what's he say? Like 50 of them ten, or something? Ten of them. Ten of them. There was only supposed yeah, to be ten yeah. of them. That was it. <laughs> it's quite an impressive visual, all the bodies. Uh, but we get to see uh, Bart sitting on top of them, sort of. And like I said, this is not she just sort of reflects on how things went wrong and her role in that. And that the universe told her to kill Susie. She disobeyed. And look what happened. And she's been left alone. And the boy... He offers uh, her a place to stay here, uh, but Bart turns it down, perhaps not really understanding who the boy is, really. Um, but, but Bart requests to go back to Blackwing, basically, although it's not revealed until later where she actually goes. Uh, it's, a, it's a sad scene for Bart, definitely. Yeah. Uh, did you guys feel like it hit as hard as it should have? I did. I liked that scene a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was. It's some of Bart's best in this season, and I... I wish we'd seen more of Bart this season. I'm not sure how they could have fit her in. She wasn't the driving force of the season the way that she was in season one, but it was a very good scene. And I, I think you're right. She doesn't understand uh, Francis's abilities in this world. She's worried that that as a killer, as an assassin, that she's going to ruin everything. Uh, but her assassin uh, abilities are based off the universe saying, you need to kill this person. In this pocket universe... Uh, that's never going to be the case, surely. Yeah, and also visually it really works well that she's surrounded by the dead bodies that just reminds her of what her kind of explicit purpose is. Yeah. And her face is coated in blood. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. She's, she, she's at a point where she has nowhere else to go right now. So that's why she's sitting there on, a, on the top of a pile of dead bodies, not even to the side or anything. It's just like, this is who she is. This is where she is. I love her 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 dialogue of like she thought she was a leaf 
uh, on like the the stream, like flowing along the stream of the universe. But she's on a she's on strings, like like she's a puppet, and she just has to follow orders. And I love that uh, that sort of feeling of the like some of these holistics have to live cruel lives. Is she even a person? And I. You know, that that's what I wanted more of in this season and in this series is people having a reason to push back against this holistic power because it is cruel. Because it was cruel to Ken, it has been cruel to her. It is not, not everyone gets to be, even Dirk goes through hell to solve this stuff, but like, comparatively he has a much better time of it and mona has a much better time of it than the other holistics that have to live through their stuff and well I that's because Dirk has a bunch of friends now uh in Todd sure i mean you can if you can you know tote that up to the power of friendship but i do think that that is a much more human motivator than an understandable motivator for why someone wouldn't like this why why this isn't necessarily a, a power of good and I think it's interesting that, would have been that a great later... reason to convince Spot to go back to Ken as well if Ken had tried that angle. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have. And then I, that's what I like in my head canon, in my rewrite of this, that is what that is Ken's motivation. Um, but like it's interesting that Amanda says that she is a leaf on the stream. Uh, or, or, yeah. So she, she basically at the end of this says the thing that Bart used to think. And so I guess what I'm curious about is like if that's sort of a foreshadowing that like, you know, Amanda is 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 where Bart was. Does that mean Amanda is going to be is going to go where Bart is? Um, is she, are they setting up Amanda for a fool, especially when they show her with the wand and its sort of dark power calling to her? That definitely seems to be the implication. I agree. Yeah, or or on the other hand, is Bart wrong that she's in a uh, a, a bit of a funk and just like ah. Oh this is all terrible. And actually she was right the first time that she's a, a leaf on the stream of creation. Yeah. Well, Dirk, that was sort of the case with Dirk, wasn't it? That he was in a bit of a funk and he had to basically pull himself out of it or be helped a little bit by being made, uh, the slave of a weird, uh, beast lady <laughs> for like half, half in a whole episode, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a very good scene. I really like that one. I think again, a really strong performance from Jeremy Reef. She has just that, disappointing look in her eyes of just yeah it's just no future for her just just being a, like you say a puppet like she says just just before that scene ends francis specifically says that because uh, she's she says yeah she's a weapon and francis says that you know uh, he hopes that she can realize that that's not true ah, okay so francis the all-knowing thing seems to disagree with that yeah yeah so so i think on that balance of bart has moved on from that position your Francis is saying like, like, no, no, you, you're wrong to, to be so uh, despondent about this. The very next scene, Freakin wakes up uh, in in complete darkness, uh, pats himself down, notices no blood. He's just in a he's in a nice. Is this the shirt he was wearing earlier? I think it is. It's it's the same outfit. Yeah, and so he gets up and he's in the backstage, the weird. Um, Place of the giant. Really yeah. He's got the weird eyes, and he gets up and he says, "Now he I has get a different it. version of the weird eyes. Yeah, he's got, he's red got and black red weird eyes. eyes. Yeah, In, instead of a black mantle rock, it's it's a red mantle rock on black eyes, and it's really obvious the contacts that they're using. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't even know if we mentioned. Did we mention that like what happened was Ken kicked or like knocked him through oh, the yes. portal? As it yeah. was shutting, and uh, we might yeah, have lost over that. Yeah, it was a very, very callous. Like you're, you're, you're dying, and I don't care. And uh, yeah, you know. it definitely makes sense from Ken's point of view, uh, even well, despite his weird motivation. To uh, I'm gonna let you guys talk on this because I think you know how I feel. Yeah. I, on on this, actually, I think I'd, I'd agree with you. I, that to me felt I, an unnecessary step from Ken. It was just like it was, it was serving the plot that. Uh, that the writer wanted to happen rather than feeling like it came from a natural place for Ken. No. Uh, it, Ken, up to this point, I haven't felt like um, I've needed to question motivations. Um, I've been happy to accept him as a two-dimensional character, but that that one moment of like just callously pushing him in to the pond, that that's more callous than I've seen of Ken. He was dying anyway, so it was unnecessary to kick him in. I kind of agree oh, yes. from, from that point of view. I could just sort of think of Ken from just a purely 
emotional reaction of disgust, I could sort of, yeah, I can kind of understand that. Is that that's so new? Literally, the only reason I have to sort of justify that. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of Ken just being evil for no reason. <laughs> well, I, well, well, Ken was never, you know, quote unquote, a good guy. But yeah, as we've discussed, this is where we leave Friedkin. I was sort of wanted to discuss where you, where you, how you guys feel about that in terms of. I hate it. You alluded to this of him just being a mind trapped in this weird place, and it sort of had potential to maybe go somewhere but also have the potential to break the show completely i don't i don't okay let's let's first address the fact that friedkin is unbelievably stupid for the entirety of two seasons for the payoff of he's the only one dumb or smart enough to understand the backstage of the universe like that is the thing that is the payoff it does not work for me is is, is like all i can say it does not work for me i find it extremely st- contrived stupid it, it plays into all of these tropes that i do not appreciate or enjoy so a- after we're done with that payoff of oh he was only so dumb because he was actually just not wired to think in reality but he totally gets the backstage of the universe uh Beyond that, I just hate the backstage of the universe as a plot device, as a thing that we're building to, as a direction of the show. I I don't like understanding how things are mechanically working. It's better when you don't understand those sorts of things. You, the show is over explaining shit. And uh, I don't want, like, I'm glad we're not getting a season three if it, that, that was going in this direction. I, I said it. Like, I would much rather it had been in a more grounded uh, direction dealing with other sorts of supernatural things. Actually, grounded is the wrong word. Underexplained. I prefer it being in an underexplained direction because the I, like these mysteries are things that the audience needs to have mystery about. And then when they reveal it at the end, it feels impactful. And when you now understand mechanically how all of this stuff works, it's not going to be a mystery anymore. Now it's just superpowers. Yeah. Um, so, so actually, that bring that reminds me of. Uh, I think it was when we were discussing the books in, in a very early podcast. Um, the question came up of, uh, in the context of the books, is Dirk actually psychic? Because the the books leaves it very open. It's it's uh, not explained. And I, I put forward the point that if his psychic versus just makes life choices that happen to work out because coincidence, because in, in an infinite universe, there's somebody who through, you know, it, literally improbability, uh, not an improbability drive, but just the improbability uh, that in an infinite universe, somebody would have that life where they make really weird choices. They drive down a street for this and it always happens to be the right thing. It's not psychic. It's just a thing. At some point you, it becomes a philosophical question of, is there a functional difference? And that uncertainty is what I got from the books and enjoyed. And that's, yeah, in, in the show, they've definitively answered, Dirk is psychic. Um, he has these superpowers. Uh, and I think you're right that that giving a definitive answer limits what the show could do uh, down the track it undermines the, the potential. That said, the, the concept of the backstage of reality um, and reality needing fixing, uh, I don't have a problem with. I, I think there's potential in that to tell interesting things. I'm not sure whether the Dirk Gently as a show uh, is the right show to explore that idea, uh, to be honest. Um, some, something brand new to explore that idea could have been could have been a better way of handling it. Because what they were building up to was a sort of battle, some kind of superhero battle between chaos and order or whatever it was. And that, that yeah. did, 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 I, we talked about yeah. that earlier, that didn't sound interesting. Amanda sort of hints at this later when she says that the storm is coming or something like that. I mean, if they want to make a spin-off show that is the holistic super friends, fine, make that spin-off <laughs> show. But that's not what I am interested in when I'm like trying to watch Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Like that's yeah. not what i'm here yeah, for. I, I i agree dirk, dirk gently is i think it is best when it's small personal stories that happen to have uh unintended large-scale impacts so like you know the uh the first novel was uh kicked off with dirk investigating missing cats uh and spun out into a story where he saves uh humankind as we know it uh helps kick off the events that create humankind and in the end it's like yo uh yo saving cat uh you know he writes out the invoice you know for recovery of or uh, cat which you know 
different universe it all changed you know, and saving mankind at no extra charge it's it's this this joke that he saves humankind despite not intending to do that and making saving reality the driving point of the story it, yeah it does feel like two big stakes that isn't it's it's not what i signed up for with uh with dirk gently as a story i wanted yeah. to go to the card game at the retirement over to oh yeah do that do that do that we'll do the card game Aaron Hobbs. yeah True, so they're yeah. all in wheelchairs they were recovering from their ordeal and they, they have a chat about I, I can't even remember do you guys remember who wins the card game because I believe, or who is winning? Because I, I, I completely forget. I don't I even think, think it shows. I, it's it's, it's no, completely no, unclear from the from from what I saw. It's, who's winning? The scene is not about the card game. Yeah, it's just about but, um, them being like, "Oh, Blackwing, you know, made us sign all of these secrecy contracts, but you know, they're not after Farrah now for reasons that are never going to be explained." Um, yeah. and yeah. like, you know, and, and Farrah trying to hand the deputy badge back and Hobbs being like, no, it's yours. And, and she's still quoting rules and regulations. No, you know, I have to hand it back. And like, it's, it's fun little character moments. I, it was, a, it's a very nice scene. Yeah. And I mean, Hobbs, a coda with these, with Tina and Hobbs, cause I think this is the last we see of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Hobbs says that he always knew Tina would make a good cop, which is a really nice moment. And it also yeah. Hobbs is like, oh man, I missed all the good parts. Uh, all of the magic and all of the crazy stuff because I was yeah. a zombie during the good parts and and um, I thought that was really sweet. Given the sort of state of the United States right now with the the police force and what's been happening, it it definitely feels a little weird because uh, the Hobbs and Tina are these idyllic versions of police officers that are like so unlike a they're unlike any police officers you would ever encounter in real life and b they're so unlike every police officer that's ever shown in a television show and i wish every cop was like hobbs and tina they're they're great they're great people they're great characters they they're full of heart the 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 current times in terms of like what we're seeing with police brutality especially in the united states uh, it just felt like very uh, separated from reality. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I saw a post uh, very recently where someone said, oh, why can't all cops be like, Farrah Black is the only cop who's really cool and all more cops should be like her. And I said, well, Farrah is interesting because she is both uh, fugitive from the law and also a deputy of the Bergsburg Sheriff Department, <laughs> honorary deputy. So... Yeah. In a very unique position to most cops. <laughs> writing, writing cops right now in movies or TV uh, would be... I imagine writers everywhere are just going like, no, we're just not going to touch that until we work it out as a society. If this was being written now, it, it would be probably written very, very differently uh, just, mm. for, just for the handling of the cops. Uh, anyway, they 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 are they are great characters and definitely characters I would like to see uh, return in any kind of future Dirks. Yeah, it'd be cool just to have a maybe a, a short spin-off story with Hobbs and Tina just managing those. Yeah. Things, having been through the adventure, coming out the other side as more sort of confident characters, maybe. Yeah, look, but we know that Bergsburg has a pocket dimension in the the farmhouse, so it's not like Bergsburg. As, as this theoretical spin-off um, is just small random town. It's small random town with a pocket dimension that Blackwing is actively interested in. That is more than enough uh, to to justify weird, weird thing of the week that Tina and Hobbs get tangentially involved in and uh, you know, have, have a fun spin-off series in that direction. Yeah. It'd be fun if they had it's like old thing that and just random phone calls from Scott Wharton who's like really high and just like called, I think I ran someone over again <laughs> in the middle of the yeah, night. And, and, <laughs> and that could be part of the fun of the show is that that, that it would be half uh, you're helping fix the reality of the universe uh you're through this pocket dimension and half day-to-day small town cop stuff is just like ah oh, yeah, that that shoplifting kid again. Ah, oh, yeah, but it's it's only peanuts. And yeah, look, yo, I'm I'm sure I'll be fired. And yeah, uh, dichotomy of really, These really minor things that your know, small town American citizens who don't realize that they're in the middle of, uh, you know, I don't want to say hellmouth, but effectively that level of big 
issue and it's they're completely oblivious to it so you have these cops that are stuck in the middle of uh the, those two needs uh it could be a lot of fun uh all hypothetical yeah so i think the next scene is um the uh goodbye between uh dirk's group and rally's and so we have yeah. amanda and todd finally splitting on much better terms than in the end of the first season it must be said i mean i think they say they love each other i think they they hug and yeah. say i love you so like it's it's a complete mental yeah. relationship yeah which is maybe a nice not strictly needed because we'd already sort of seen in winnable when they made up before uh in the um uh, what was it? The ex- episode where they were about to be executed, and they were in the barn, uh, in the Dingdemore Castle village. But um, but yeah, um, this this sort of ties it up quite nicely. And the only thing that I really don't like is Amanda's. There's a storm coming, and we need to. Uh, there's going to be a battle coming, and it's going to be. Yeah. Us with all, the, we need to find all the holistic people before Blackwing do. I think. It, if, that would have been fine on its own if it wasn't linked into the all. Oh, there's a world-ending event, and that's why we need them. Or rather, if it was more of a, we need to make sure they don't get captured by Blackwing and abused and treated like shit, basically. Yeah, they that could have gone for a more X-Men theme about it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you also see the Beast again <laughs> with no facial, again. with no facial yeah. prosthetics. They ran out of makeup, so they just went for the biker look. Yeah, so Emily Tennant looks slightly more normal now, which is slightly somehow slightly more terrifying. <laughs> really, I thought I thought it was an intentional like the, the boy sent her into our world and and made her look human as part of that. Well, she doesn't act human. <laughs> no, but she physically looks no, no. a lot more human than she was. She doesn't have messed up teeth. She doesn't have the weird face prosthetics. I think the, I can't tell if it was makeup or prosthetics, but she had. Well, I think she was a bit unnerving because I got so used. It was, to her it was prosthetics. Um, I I paused earlier on, and it, um, when I think it was the la- one of the last scenes in Wendemore uh, showing her where uh, Francis is asking her, "What are we going to do with you?" And she's just kind of like, "Oh," uh, and pausing there, you can see the edge of the prosthetic. Um, uh, across her forehead mm-hmm. uh, and you could also see and i hadn't noticed before uh, that she's also was wearing um rainbow colored contacts her oh. eyes were literally rainbows interesting uh, but you know, absolutely suits her colorful character but until i paused in that one moment you i was like oh, did, did not notice yeah. no dirk is also on crutches he, she gives him a traffic cone the beast uh, and yeah <laughs> seems to in won't change from calling him a bibbit, which uh, is understandable, <laughs> given, given that, that she got kind of used to that. And so she becomes part of the Rowdy Free, which is really nice because it's a reference to uh, the original Douglas Adams uh, Hitchhiker trilogy, which was originally supposed to be three books, then became four, then became five. And, and then yeah. became a sixth with a different author, and and our sixth rowdy is from a different universe. Mm, indeed. Mm. So, <laughs> I, I was going to say, the Hitchhikers wasn't even originally intended to be a trilogy. It was the, the oh, second yeah, book was written to be the last one. Uh, but and once then there the, were three, it became kind of. But, a trilogy. But, but, the, but then the third was written very shortly after that and got called a trilogy, and then that being called a trilogy stuck uh, and became part of the joke. I think we just get a nice scene with Todd and Dirk sort of reflecting yeah. on the adventure, and I think um, there's a... and and handing over the magic light bulb. Uh, yeah, of course, and they sort of do question oh with, with the air gun. Like, is it okay to keep this thing? Isn't this going to cause havoc? And like, nah, don't worry about it. Todd says something like, um, oh, um, wow, that must have been your best hardest case yet. And then Dirk sort of underplays it. And says, nah, it was an easy one. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's just that's just them bantering at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of artifacts that make it through. They still have the air gun. They still have the wand. They st- um, obviously, the the beast is still there. Um, yeah. uh, our universe has lost Susie into Wendemore. So, in in terms of the other, the mage or, or what is left of the mage is uh, is now in our universe. Mm. I think we should talk a little bit about Susie uh, because she went from like, I'm the good guy. She's the bad guy. And then she kind of like has a bit of a screamy moment for like a second where she's like, I will kill all of you. And then the boy just like zaps her up to the train. And, you know, we, we see her waking up in the train with all of her makeup off back to. She's uh, regressed back to the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. And he even was caught back to that with the train noise that we heard in the, when she woke up in the first episode as well. 
even though Bergsberg was nowhere near a train station. But um, mm. it's a fitting end for Susie. You can't help but feel because Susie was fun. You feel a, a little, just the tiniest bit sorry, but but she had it coming. <laughs> I don't feel sorry, but I feel like she's a great character, and I I, I yeah. love the scream. Yeah. It's a great blood curdling scream at the end where she's just yeah. like you know realizes that she's stuck there forever. And we can see a Wacky comes back as well. I've almost forgot. Um, the people in our world come back, but it, we don't see all of them. We see Scott's back. He's not a toad anymore. And Bob is back. Does anyone who got killed in our world come back? Uh, I don't think the so. Dog, the dog, Agadrag, the dog. The dog's back, isn't he? Yeah. No, they have a puppy. Oh. Have, the dog was oh, the new dog. dog. They got a new puppy because he killed the old dog. Oh, um, yeah. and so all the people in the hospital. boss is still dead. All the people in the hospital are still dead. Um, no, no one, no one that I remember who Arnold like, Cardenas is still dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you get for selling out your brother <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't make Arnold, so I don't know that he could bring him back. Yeah, but we didn't bring his parents back either. Fair, so fair, mm -hmm. fair. Yeah, maybe he just couldn't. The last we see of our heroes are four heroes, because obviously Mona is in with them in secret. They don't seem to know. Uh, we see the plaque from the book, uh, the sign, the tagline that Dirk always wanted from the first season, which was cases sold with arguable efficiency. And we see yes. them pr proudly standing in front of it, and Dirk says, um, uh, was it, did it, which is his, which is his new um, his new catchphrase. And we see that they packed recently to this place, which is presumably going to be their um, headquarters going forward. Uh, it, it just looks like a studio apartment but apparently it's their offices <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> lord knows how they would get any um uh, they probably wouldn't need to advertise because the clients would just randomly pop in but um yeah is, uh, how do you feel about this ending for our characters it sort of sets up for for adventures going forward but also it's it's, it's nice to see them finally achieve that i'm i'm okay with this one because because this is the small scale investigating that uh that we want from dirk he has an office at a small business and investigation. This felt, uh, wasn't this like, to, to me, this was, oh, this is how you ended season one. And then Blackwing showed up. Um, yeah. So this is like, oh, they're ending season two the way they're ending season one. Like they could just as easily have started season three with, and now Blackwing shows up again. And like, we pulled the rug out. Like, I, it felt good, but also it was like, you've done this to me before. Yeah, so yeah. Like, we, we, I don't what's going to happen. Like, I have no confidence that this is staying. Did you notice Dirk's jacket in this final scene? Yeah. I think it's really cute. It's black and it's, it's got the rainbow of all the... Uh, yeah, it's, it's got the stripes down the side of the different color other jackets that he's worn through the series. Yeah. Is that what it is? That's cool. I, 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 I think that's the intention of the stripes. It, it's not... It's not I don't think it's intended to be rainbow. I think it's just intended to be, yeah, he had a yellow jacket and a blue jacket and a green jacket and an orange jacket and a, uh, all these other jackets, and that's what the stripes are. Hmm, cool. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, this is just a, a weird technical thing. When my, my wife and I were watching it, and at the end when the Rowdy 3 drive off, they're driving away on the left side of the road. Um, maybe you guys didn't notice that, um, but it was very <laughs> noticeable as an American in an American audience where they're driving an American car where the driver's on the left side of the car. Well, you see, they shot that sequence in the UK, so it was okay. They, I don't. I, I, I'll tell you what it, what I think it is, and I, I rewound it and watched it like three times. It's a moving shot, and so the camera is on another car, and they want to get Beast outside the window. And the way that road is structured, you need to have them on the left and the camera car on the right. And so it was. It wasn't like a choice for any other reason outside of like mechanically. That's the only way you're getting that shot. Just a random little thing that I made a note about. Yeah, no, I never would have noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I guess all we really have left to talk about a little bit is that final scene between Ken, Bart, and I guess Bruce a little bit too, where Ken basically thanks Bart for turning herself in. I think Bart was sort of expecting going to see Ken again would lift her mood and seems just... In almost very even more disappointed in a way that it that that's not happened yeah <laughs> she, but but i think bart had fun hanging out with ken in season one or that that was the end result of season one that, that 
she enjoyed that interaction and she missed that through season two and she wanted to get back to that like hey i had fun hanging out with ken let's do that again mm. and now she's back at blackwing and that's not what she's getting she's not getting the cool hanging out with ken road trip that was season one she's getting oh ken's in charge of blackwing and i'm stuck in a room and oh they've turned the lights out it's ken, uh, it's a reversal yeah. i guess of um the season one so ken is basically in the cap uh, the uh oh, is captor the right word i think yeah, it i guess because bart could leave at any time is what i'm thinking but she just she's just given up at this point you can sort of imagine that she's going to take that she's just going to sit there and do nothing really for a long while before she decides to escape at some point hopefully yeah I, yeah I, I like the line that bart says like oh well, you, you're big business now and ken's like yes actually um i think that's a fun interaction um i think i think that like that sense of betrayal feels awful for Bart and I'm okay with it. Like I, I like if, if the motivations were better, it would have worked out great because we just keep on feeling worse and worse for Bart. I also think there's a unit, uh, like there's a version of that script where Ken tries to appeal to Bart's feeling of hurt and tries to be like, we're going to try to make it so that you don't like, so that we, we can break out of this feeling of being on, on a wire of like, of like us not being really in control of our destiny. I think that like, like we talked about briefly earlier that like that that could have been a different attack that that Ken takes that would have felt a little more like oh I, this makes sense for why we are appealing to Bart and I feel like like the way they wrote it with Bart saying like I feel like I should tell you the universe is kind of telling me to kill you um, I mean that is literally the show saying like if there was ever any doubt in your mind about Ken being a villain you now yeah. know beyond a shadow of a doubt if Bart wants to kill someone they are they are bad like there there's really no two ways about it apart from that yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> so bart's not infallible but yeah well no but the thing is is bart didn't feel like she wanted to kill dirk yeah that's they do make a big point of that actually so yeah that we really kind of leave it and with um the last line of the show the whole series is ken uh saying um there are no good guys basically and, um, yeah, yeah. He's asked about his worldview by by priest. In in your world, do you see yourself as a good guy? And that that to me speaks to to who Ken is. I'm I'm okay with that. His response of uh, yeah, that that kind of fits. It's just the general his general kind of attitude uh, and everything else he's done up to this point. Still, that doesn't there are no good guys. Doesn't quite justify. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it it doesn't mean that he's right. It just means that he's. That, I, that's his. Well, I don't think that's what he's saying. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that worldview, and I don't, I don't mind Ken saying that line. But I think what uh, Ed was saying was like that worldview doesn't explain his actions in any capacity. Yeah, I maybe uh, justify uh, the wrong uh, word. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, ex it doesn't explain his motivations. It just, uh, it just lets you know that he doesn't see himself as just or righteous. He doesn't see anyone that way, and I think that's a fine opinion like i think i, I don't mind him have put i don't mind the, the writers putting that opinion in his head as like he's not some just guy looking for like trying to do the right thing but you know we still don't know like you 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 couldn't role play as ken like you you couldn't you, you couldn't do it you couldn't do it because you don't know why he is driven to do anything so in an arbitrary situation you couldn't decide how he would act mm. Yeah, there's a reason you don't see many uh, Ken roleplay accounts on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, although they did, they did reveal that Adams was his last name in this, which was a lovely reference to Douglas Adams, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, I think, were really upset that Bart was the one character who ends the season basically in darkness and gets the bad ending, as it were. Do you guys share that frustration that many people have? I think it's fine. I I, I think that having one character in a in a dark place, uh, it makes you know makes for a more interesting uh, story moving forward. Um, I think that ending the season with everyone in a happy place would have felt a little too sugar coated. Um, and I think that Bart is a tragic character. And so make, leaning into that is the right call. Obviously it hurts to see that, but I like from a storytelling perspective, I still think it's the right choice. It sucks to have a character go through hardship. 
especially a yeah. character that you like uh, and that is and so likable. She did try to change this season as well, and she did. Her nature got in the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, as well as you know the whole other circumstances be under control. I definitely uh, feel like, uh, and you guys had expressed this frustration earlier in the season. I feel like I empathize more with the frustration that Bart is underutilized in this season mm-hmm. more than the frustration that Bart is punished or put in a in a bad place at the end of the season. Um, cause I, I feel like if she's, if she ends this in a good place as well, you know, like to, to me, her, her arc clearly needs to keep going and she needs to figure out like, and dig deeper into, into this idea of, of who am I, what am I like, do I even have, hmm. uh, uh, you know, free will, all of these ideas, you know, just ending with her happy and with Panto or something in Wendemore just would feel kind of stunted it could be too that because we didn't get a third season we don't find out where that goes that uh that highlights the the tragedy that she didn't get to say goodbye to pando she didn't get that that moment of uh enjoyment uh i guess or all that that little goodbye <laughs> i think we've expressed a couple of times that we didn't think this was as tightly paced we didn't think this was as well presented as the first season and I'm not saying I'm not saying the second season is horrible or anything. I think it's, I think it's just it's just a little baggy. And um, I, I wonder if there's a sense of uh, maybe at the very end, especially first time watching this, sort of uh, uh, wanting the whole Wendemore thing to sort of wrap itself up and sort of relief when it's over. Or is there more? Is it more of a sense of you're caught up in investment of the ca- of you know what happens to all of our different characters, of course? Because like like JC said, there's a lot of loose threads to tie up. I think it's somewhere in between. So at the end of season one, uh, when they the whole time travel shenanigans got explained, there was a real sense of like, wow, that's clever. And it, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense on closer examination, at, at the le- at the level of being presented with the, that resolution in real time as you're watching it, you, I very much got a sense of what that's neat, that's clever, that was so well uh entangled and connected season two i didn't get any of that uh and so at the end of it it was just kind of like oh that's nice though all the wendemore people are alive again and uh, that's a happy ending it's kind of a bit of a, a reset <laughs> so, yeah it's like okay so for the people of wendemore and, and we had the those highs and lows of like you know, oh the the families are fighting and i wish they didn't find you all those things oh and then they got killed and that's sad and there's like oh and now they're all reset and they're all happy families and um like lovely it's a it's a lovely happy ever after it just it doesn't feel earned i guess it, for me i i think you you sort of touched on it where the season one feels like a mystery and it all like the whole time you feel lost and then at the end it's sort of like oh it makes sense it's all like suddenly it makes sense um and it doesn't i like you said it doesn't necessarily hold up to close closer scrutiny i mean another show that i think did that really well was season one of uh, what was the robot android show westworld um, I think season one of Westworld had a similar thing. And I think the thing is the season two of Dirk Gently, it's not like everything's wrapped up in, in, in a nice bow. For me, the, the, the tension, and maybe this is just on a rewatch when I already know mostly what's going to happen, but I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that is the case. Um, it, it, it just doesn't, doesn't do the mystery stuff as well. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a show about it de- about detectives trying to figure out a mystery. The mystery, like they say, there's a mystery going on. They give lip service to the mystery, but like by the end of it, it just doesn't feel like that's what's happening. Yeah, I, that, that's a good point. And and actually, to expand on that, it's almost like they repeatedly bring up where's the boy, who's the boy, as 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 if to uh, try and create a mystery of that's the question of the season. And and it is the question of the season when they one of many when they identify yeah <laughs> when they identify Project Moloch and bring him back to Wendemore, that is the resolution. But it doesn't feel like it's a mystery that's been earned. Yeah, and I also feel like just in terms of story structure between the two seasons, like it helps that Dirk has been hired by a person, even if like and like that is interesting that like like that that a person somehow knew to hire him whereas in season two it's like well wap wakti wap nasi told mona to tell you to find the boy it's like okay okay but like this doesn't feel like it's structured in the same sort of like someone 
has hired you as a detective. Wakti doesn't pay. It doesn't pay. Yeah, Wakti doesn't pay. And like, it feels like it's more like a favor and like a quest and you're doing the right thing as opposed to a grounded, like, I am a detective. This is my profession. I am, I have been hired to salt to do this case. It steps more into like the, the universe is telling me to do this case, which like, I guess works for the greater con, like the greater sort of narrative they're trying to build. I just don't like that narrative. And I prefer the framing device of season one in terms of it feeling more grounded uh, because there is always a person who you are like feeling responsible to or for and, and like, you know, Dirk's taking his profession seriously. Yeah. I, I wonder actually with the, uh, the universe providing the case uh, and that that setting up of the, the hints, especially at the end of uh, the larger future of uh, you're fixing the universe that presumably would have been season three and onwards. Uh, that feels like it's the uh, classic trilogy problem where the first story is a big hit and suddenly like, oh, we want you to create more. And then you get like, oh, well, I can expand in these really interesting ways. Oh, but to set that up, I have to create a story of setup and so the second story is a bit world building weirdness uh as you have to create that link from one from episode one to uh or season one into season three and onwards where you can get you'll uh, take advantage of that uh so i'm wondering if that's part of the problem here but even then the the universe backstage of reality stuff uh almost came out of nowhere in this episode so it doesn't feel yeah. like yeah it, it's not like the whole season was building and hinting towards that in any real way i mean there there is foreshadowing regarding it but this story doesn't build toward it. it's more just like people cryptically say things about it and then they like ah we hinted at it therefore we can do this yeah yeah it, it's it's not it's not part of the question that you're asking yourself as a viewer yeah. I didn't write any references. I think I mentioned a few as we went along. The Mandelbrot set, interestingly enough, is a is the thing that symbols that really fascinated Douglas Adams apparently, which may be part of the reason why they were chosen for uh Todd and Amanda's eyes. And I think Freakin's eyes too in the I mean they they were on a man the back of Amanda's jacket too. Um they've mm. they've been that 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 uh fractal pattern is used a lot in the series. I guess kind of wrapping up uh, just our thoughts on the second series as a whole, how we look back at it today, because um, I think we said earlier we were sort of, we're going to decide whether it was better or worse than the, or about the same alternative as the first season until we'd actually gone through it. And I think that's what we said, wasn't it, Nemo? So uh, have, you, have you made a decision yet or do you want to wait another week <laughs> and, then, and then decide? Or do you think uh, it's, it's a difficult to judge for two because they're different genres? Because one was, I think we used to talk about this before, a mystery and a sci-fi sci kind of mystery involving time travel. And this was a fantasy with less of a focus on the mystery and more of continuing the story of the characters. I think season two had a lot of things to juggle. And I think inevitably something was always going to have to give. But, but still, there were things that could have been written a little better uh, manage a little bit better and I think maybe just uh, it feels like time issues really played a factor in here not even down to details like Christopher Tapia de Vere not being able to come back for the music I know it was a scheduling thing but it sort of adds to the feel of the season being kind of they wanted to recreate the first season but they couldn't quite get everything in the, from the first time and there are some really great bits the actors all give great performances again there are some really great new characters but as a whole, you have to feel at the end of it slightly dissatisfied, in my opinion. That it that's quite that's a, pretty, pretty much where the the sort of things that I was thinking that's that uh, they, there are some great characters and uh, and events that are set up. The the props, like you know, the the air gun, is the sort of thing I can see being uh, a, an ongoing, just fun little thing that they've got. Um, you know, that comes out of this season. Uh, Hobbs and Tina, absolutely fantastic. I really want to see more of them. Uh, and and in this again, I'm I'm kind of brought back to uh, the books, the the original Dirk Gently books, where uh, and, and again, I think we uh, we talked about this a bit uh, at the time. That the first book, the first Dirk Gently book, has the plot that everybody remembers of the books, uh, but the second book has lots of 
Dirk-ish things, the uh, the I Ching calculator, the uh, Z navigation, uh, which people remember ab about Dirk generally, but the story of in the second book is a bit forgettable. And this feels kind of the same, is that there's elements of, uh, of the season which are really memorable and really cool and uh, could be really strong going forward. But the story that holds them all together and introduces them is just a bit, you know, okay, whatever. Sorry, let's move uh, on. I, I'm, that, I, I can kind of see two ways about it with that. Like, I definitely feel like the sense of the internet is season two is way worse than season one. And, and like, I tend to def try to defend season two when I'm seeing those kinds of conversations online. On yeah, rewatch, um, it doesn't feel as tight. And I still like a lot of things about season two and I dislike some things in season one. I don't, I, I like Hobbs and Tina so much more than the cop pair from season one. Like yes. the cop pair from season one is fine. They're fun. I don't like that. They're both sort of unceremoniously murdered um, in a way. Like, I feel like the characters in season two, the, the good guys are allowed to cooperate in a way that feels cool to me and that I get more, like simple joy out of whereas in season one there's a lot of conflict between parties that shouldn't have conflict and i get that that's a storytelling device and that sometimes people really like that um it's it still is a thing that frustrates me and it's like it's like there are parts of season one that like i still don't super love that being said i do think that it is a much tighter story and that it feels like when all is said and done it all wraps up really nicely um, and I don't get that feeling from season two. Season two feels much more all over the place. It, it, it is a lot looser. There's a lot of times where I'm just like, well, I just have to forgive this thing. Obviously, like the moments that are great in season two are great, but I do think that the, the moments I dislike in season two, I dislike a lot more. Um, yeah. so I do think overall, I, I, you know, even though, you know, I haven't gone back and rewatched season one and I did do that for season two for this, uh, and I don't know if I ever will go back and rewatch season one, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but I do think that it is the superior season just in terms of like writing. Yeah. Um, so when, uh, when season two was finished and, and, uh, and it originally got canceled and there was talk about, you know, Oh, can we convince Netflix to, to pick it up as their own production uh, for season three? This was before anything else came out. Uh, uh, there was, uh, I made a point for a while of uh, playing uh, Dirk Gently just in the background while I was work. I just put it on, you know, load up Netflix on oh, the yeah. phone and I play it, just for no other reason than uh, whatever Netflix's internal uh, uh, tracking of viewership is, uh, that would be an extra number. You know, Netflix doesn't publish those things, but they they're in a fairly unique ability uh, position to data mine exactly what sort of uh, uh, viewers, uh, any given show, and it, you know, down to the episode, down to the minute, maybe even uh, uh, that exists. Uh, and I, I figured, look, you know, if I put it on and it's playing, maybe they, you know, there'd be data mining analysis that could just, you know, wipe that out as noise of somebody, you know, put, turning it on and and leaving it play because of the, you know, well, clearly that's a guy who's playing it during work hours, probably not actually watching it. Will discount that but i figured there's no harm in in doing that to try and help uh and so i i just in the background i had season one and season two play through a couple of times uh and just as background not paying attention i very much enjoyed season one more and then as a proper rewatch for the podcast here more of the same uh, season one is just fun i really enjoyed it i can I can see myself in a few years down the track re-watching season one for the enjoyment of it. Um, I don't think I'd bother with season two. Uh, like, I, I don't dislike season two. I, I enjoyed it, but season one, I look forward to the idea of re-watching that and enjoying it in a few years' time. And I can't imagine myself getting to the end of season one in, say, 2025 and going, and I'll watch season two for the same enjoyment. I might watch season two for the sake of completeness. Um, maybe there'll be new Dirk Gently that'll make re-watching season two have uh, better meaning if there's new versions of, uh, of Dirk and other characters or uh, new revelations. Uh, but, yeah, see, season one was fun. Season two is, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know what, going forward, 
I really hope nobody gets the idea of, hey, what about Farrah's brother, Eddie? <laughs> it's just still calling on the burner phone. Like, Farrah, you need to come in. Look, uh, Eddie, I'm not on the FBI most wanted list. Uh, you need to come in. You're in too much danger. They're mobilizing. <laughs> what? There, there, there are terrible ways that they could handle that. that that's already met from the comics. And I hated, yeah. I, I hated Eddie. <laughs> he was one of the least whenever he showed up. I certainly like him guy. less now that I've thought about it and that that plot line just was dropped on the floor entirely. Yeah, um, he feels like the big victim of, of, the, of any potential rewrites possibly because he's there at the beginning to tell Farrah that dad died and then he serves no purpose. <laughs> he just yeah. wants Farrah basically to make Farrah feel like shit <laughs> whenever they need a, a Farrah downer moment that she can lift herself up from. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That just popped into my head randomly. I don't know what. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's, is that the note to end on? Wow, Eddie sucks. That's season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's not the end for us because, of course, we've still to go. We've got our season awards, which we'll be doing. But uh, we'll have to see uh, who, who we can get in for that one. Hopefully, our plan was to get everyone to send in candidate for maybe maybe not just our season awards but also i am um, awards for i guess dirt gently as a whole and that's going to be really interesting to see you know who's gonna who's gonna get the john dollar award for most forgettable cameo this time or or you know who got the best arc who what's the best epi episode the worst episode best moments and stuff like that and so i'm really excited to to go through those a couple that are popping into my head already I'm, i may have to do a most hated character mm. <laughs> i'm sure there'll be a hotly contested category especially for season two <laughs> but um but yeah i don't want to dwell on the negatives too much it's um overall i think um closing thoughts um it's a it's a real shame things ended up like it. it's never nice to see a show you like get cancelled i guess even you know irrespective of, of the reason why but i think I think going forward, the show is in the good hands of the, well, any potential continuation of the show in the animated series is in the good hands of Arvind Ethan David. Yeah, I was seeing tweets that he's still trying to make that animated series happen. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'll be curious what happens with it if it does or where they'll go with it or whether it's going to be a new continuation using the same characters or if they're going to try to keep everything going. Um, we'll see. Anyway, I guess it's time really to we got obviously we've got stuff to look forward to because it's not the end, but it feels like uh, the end of a very long chapter of covering everything with name dirt gently on. The only thing we haven't covered is the board game. So we'll have to do that at some point, I guess. But we, uh, yep. we can always wait. So Yeah, we'll we'll have a few more episodes of uh, some kind of wrap ups and uh thoughts. But if you wanna send us in if you wanna send us in any um candidates for uh the season awards um, we'll make sure we put up all the, uh, at least a couple of prospective categories on our website beforehand. Uh, hopefully that will be, uh, you need to go to dirtgentlypodcast.wordpress.com and to go to the messages section, send us an email. I will look at all the emails because there aren't many. <laughs> and um, if you want to talk to us more directly, I'm on Twitter uh, with the account at Edward J. Hunter. I usually talk about motorsport, but also Dirk. And I also post the podcast there. Nemo's on there too. Nemo. SUB underscore ETHR. Uh, I occasionally tweet about uh, random uh, fandom things that I've uh, watched or read or whatever. Uh, more often than not, I forget, uh, unfortunately. Jesse, but, uh, Jesse, you're there too. Somewhere. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Erebus Wolf, E R E B U S Wolf. Um, mostly tweeting about some of my game dev stuff, but there's other things I'll tweet about here and there. I'm always happy to talk about Dirk if you want to tweet me about that as well. So I think that's that's really everything. So um, I know you've got um, family stuff going on, Jesse, in terms of your, you've got uh, the baby you're expecting. So I want to say best of luck with that in case we don't get to talk to you again. But, yeah, thank um, you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate uh, being given the chance to come on here and rant about <laughs> season two with you guys. I uh, really appreciate it. I think everything you said, though, it wasn't just ranting for the sake of it. Everything you said... Had a motivation. Behind, it was funny really, enough. Really yeah, motivated. Yeah, very motivated. You you can understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I couldn't can resist one last dig. <laughs>
but anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you still indeed have been, uh, hopefully this has been edited to be somewhat coherent. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to having you with us join us again for the season awards. So um, thanks very much for being with us for the second season. Hopefully we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. See you. Bye.